I want to read from Mark's Gospel and chapter 8. Mark's Gospel and chapter 8 and verse 22. And he comes to Bethesda and they bring him a blind man and beseech him that he might touch him. And taking hold of the hand of the blind man, he led him forth out of the village. And having spit upon his eyes, he laid his hands upon him and asked him if he beheld anything. And having looked up, he said, I behold men, for I see them as trees walking. Then he laid his hands again upon his eyes and he saw distinctly and was restored and saw all things clearly. And he sent him to his house, saying, Neither enter into the village, nor tell it to anyone in the village. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse 3, For I delivered to you in the first place what also I had received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. And then just one final verse in John chapter 9. John chapter 9 and verse 24. They called therefore a second time to the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is sinful. He answered, therefore, if he is sinful, I know not. One thing I know, that being blind before, now I see. I've been thinking just recently of this incident in the life of Jesus in Mark's Gospel. It's interesting to study the different ways in which people are brought to the Lord. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that he acted in different ways and no two ways were the same. And if I was to ask everyone in this hall tonight how they met the Lord Jesus and he became precious to them, I'm sure each would have a slightly different story because the Gospel is a very individual matter and we each need to come to him individually and to have to do with him individually but I've been thinking about this particular incident where the Lord had to apply a second touch now does that mean that the work of Jesus was imperfect no it doesn't for he was the Saviour, sinless, perfect, all that he did was perfect. He could, with a word, raise the dead. He could give sight to the blind. All the wonderful things that Jesus did, which, as we read of this afternoon, if they were put if they were recorded, not even the world itself could contain the books. You think of the number of things that Jesus did. 
the power resident in him. Why? Because he was the son of God. God manifest in the flesh. What power there was in Jesus. What power there was resident in that blessed man. Nevertheless, he was willing to go to the cross. In weakness and defeat, it says, the song says, he won the maiden crown. But you think of the power resident in Jesus. And yet, we come to this incident here. It's a blind man. He was... It's interesting what the Lord says. It says of him. And taking hold of the hand of the blind man, he led him forth out of the village. He could have just healed him right there. But I think he needed to be taken away from all distractions. And you know, there are some times where there's so much to distract us. And the world would try and do anything to distract you at the present moment. The devil is dead against you, dear friend, being saved. And he'd do anything to distract you tonight from coming to Jesus. And so Jesus leads him out of the village to a quiet place where he's all alone with Jesus. Have you ever been there, dear friend? Have you ever been to that spot where you're all alone with the Saviour. And then it says, having spit upon his eyes, he laid his hands upon him. Again, as I said, it's interesting the way that Jesus deals with one another. How has he dealt with you, dear friend? Is he dealing with you tonight? He could have just said a word. Interesting, isn't it? He brought the world into fashion by word. He spake and it stood fast. The world itself was created by a word. And yet we have here this incident where the Lord Jesus spits on his eyes, lays his hand upon him. How personal that is. There's the Lord of glory. God himself manifest in the flesh. He lays his hands upon this man. He interacts with him. And the Lord Jesus, my personal, my precious saviour, and I trust yours, would come down into your circumstances and have to do with you and lay his hands upon you. That's how interested my dear friend he is in you and in me. Think of this, the Son of God. When he went to the cross, men, they spat upon him. It says that. In hatred and in shame. The Lord of glory, and yet they spat upon him. Wicked men who hated the Lord Jesus. You find maybe that in your heart and mind. And yet here the Lord Jesus spat and put, his, and put it on the eyes of the blind. All that the essence of the Lord. He was involved fully, you know. Sometimes we go, we do things, 
half-heartedly. Everything that the Lord Jesus did was with the, with the deepest meaning. And because he involved himself, because he was doing the will of God himself, the will of the Father, he laid his hands upon him. He wanted to open his eyes. Surely the Lord wanted to open this man's eyes. And this man's eyes wanted to be opened. Tonight, dear friends, if you're without God, if you're unsaved, then you're blind. The scripture says that. You know, in your sin, and in your rebellion against God, you're blind. And the gospel is preached that your eyes might be opened and you might see. But the Lord Jesus here, he touched this blind man. And there was a partial recovery. He saw men as trees walking. What an odd thing that was. Men got out of proportion, didn't they? And you know, with all today's media and in my heart, and the, the, men, the world, the people have their idols, don't they? Larger than life. We live in a world and in a day and an age where people are larger than life. The celebrities of the day. Men seen as trees walking. The gospel, one thing it is, is, is it sorts you out is your perspective. Do you get things into right perspective as regards you, regards God, regards others? This man, he met Jesus, he had to do with Jesus, and yet he saw men as trees walking. He needed a second touch. And that's really what I wanted to say, what impressed me tonight. There is sometimes a need for a second touch. Maybe tonight you've heard about Jesus. You've even met with him. You've had to do with him. And yet it's not all clear. It's not all clear yet. You need that second touch. And maybe tonight you come into this hall and God graciously, through the Lord Jesus, would give you a second touch that you might see clearly. I was just interested when it read, it, we were reading, it says, he laid his hands up again. Again. What grace there is, you know. Maybe you're in that place where you're not too sure. There was one that Paul met, wasn't there, who was almost persuaded. So near. We were speaking some time ago of that thief on the cross. So near and yet so far. Maybe you're in that place. You just need a second touch of the Lord. It says he laid his hands on him again. Maybe tonight, dear friends, you'd need the touch of the Lord again. That you might see things clearly. What does it say in verse 25? He saw distinctly and was restored, and saw all things clearly. That's why the gospel is preached, that you might see things distinctly and clearly. 
That's why I read in 1 Corinthians, I was trying to think of a scripture that puts the gospel in a nutshell. And I can't do any better than Paul. What does it say? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. How simple and yet how profound that is. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What scriptures were they? Well, they were the Old Testament, obviously. Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes we are healed. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried. That's just as important, dear friend. The Lord of glory, the Lord of life. It says in him was life. We are given life through God's mercy and grace and blessing. In him was life. And yet he was buried. Went into the depths of the earth. Part of the gospel, you know, that the think of that, earth was still, you know, that in one sense. You think of God himself in the person of the Lord Jesus laying in death and was buried. It's interesting, isn't it, that the Lord Jesus said that no sign shall be given apart from the sign of Jonas. What was that? That Jonas, Jonah, Jonah was really in, in type, he was, he was put into burial. In the depths of the sea. And then it says that God had raised him. He was put onto dry ground. New ground. The burial of death of Jesus is important. It's there that my sins have been left behind. Jesus left my sins behind in the grave. And he was raised again. It says, according to the scriptures. How important that is. We are reading recently word of the resurrection. Paul says, that he was delivered for our offences. Think of that, delivered. Jesus, the Son of God, delivered. God allowed him to go that way. In fact, it was the purpose of God that he should go that way. Delivered for our offences. Yes, all that we are, our sins, necessitated. It wasn't an idea. The gospel is not a series of ideas, dear friend. It was necessary that Jesus go that way. No one else could do it. Only a perfect lamb. In the, in the, in the Old Testament, the sacrifices had to be perfect. And yet even they were had blemishes, didn't they? But Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God. He delivered. As a lamb was taken to the slaughter. Delivered for our offences. But then raised for our justification. That changes everything, doesn't it? If Jesus died for me, according to the scriptures, that's wonderful. But where does that leave me? No hope. But he was raised for our justification. That means we're clear before God. Acquitted. Set free. Raised for our justification. 
What a saviour. What a salvation. Dear friend, I just think that's a wonderful presentation. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and raised again the third day according to the scriptures. Not some fanciful theory, not some idea, but this is fact, dear friends. But you need to believe it. Facts won't save you, but faith in the facts will. Faith in the person will. Do you, dear friend, believe in these things for yourself? You can say Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures and was buried and was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. But was it for you? You can say it, you can put it on the wall as a sort of motto, but that's not good enough. You need to take it to yourself. He died for me. That's why Paul, that great preacher, you think of Paul, the greatest preacher and probably the greatest theologian that's ever lived, and yet he made a simple statement. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can you say that, dear friend? Is that just head knowledge to you? Or do you actually know it for yourself? I think this man, you know, he had a second touch. And all things became clear. My earnest prayer and desire tonight would be, if there's anyone here who knows about Jesus, maybe has been in his company, has had to do with him, but it's just not quite clear, then God in his grace would appeal to you tonight to have to do with the Saviour that you might see things clearly. Paul, when he wrote this, he, it was obvious he understood he saw things clearly. He had light from heaven, didn't he? What a conversion Paul had. And yet, you know, tonight you can have... A, such a transformation as you have to do with the Saviour himself. And you can see all things clearly. It says, And he sent him to his house, saying, Neither enter into the village, nor tell it to anyone in the village. He wasn't to go back where he came from. He was set on a new path. Dear friends, if you have to do with Jesus, it's a new beginning, isn't it? something new life is never the same once you've met the Lord Jesus as your saviour life cannot be the same you can't go back we're reading of one who did try and go back to his old ways didn't he I go to fish you know once you meet Jesus and it all becomes real to you and you understand what he did for you and what it means what he means to you then you don't want to go back to the old way of life you want to do something for him I just read the other blind man about the other blind man as I said at the beginning the Lord Jesus deals with people in different ways he dealt with this man a different way to the one in Mark 8 but I just appealed to me he didn't need a second touch this man he just knew didn't he he didn't know everything, and I don't know everything, and probably you don't know either, everything either. 
But there's one thing he did know. One thing I know. Once I was blind, but now I see. How wonderful. What a, what a, and he quickly started to know a lot of things, didn't he? And he made, he, he showed up the Pharisees for who they were. One thing I know. What do you know tonight, dear friend? Do you know Jesus as your saviour? You might know a lot of things. You probably know more than I do, but for sure you do. But do you know Jesus as your saviour? One thing. He got his priorities right. I said that the other man, he didn't go back to the village, he started afresh. This man really started afresh too. He had to do with Jesus and it all became clear. One thing I know. Once I was blind, we've all been blind. The God of this world, it says, has blinded your eyes. He's done that. But the Lord Jesus has come to undo the works of the devil. And he's opening eyes. And as the gospel's being preached, men's and women and children's eyes are being opened every day. It's so wonderful of God's grace that many are having their eyes opened and they see things completely differently. Dear friends, have you had your eyes opened to see what God has got in store for you, what blessings he's got in store for you if you have to do with him? Eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, a hope in the future, and a, and a wonderful blessings even now. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Once I was blind, but now I see. And he got to see more and more of Jesus. Dear friend, tonight, where do you stand with the Saviour? Have you met him at all? Have you met him briefly? You, is it just a passing acquaintance with a saviour? Or like the Apostle Paul, do you know him? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. He'd seen, hadn't he? He saw clearly. And he was absolutely convinced of the worth of the saviour and what he'd done for him. It's seen clearly. Tonight, dear friends, do you see clearly? If not, maybe God in his grace would give you a second touch. There is room, there is time, there is opportunity right now. If you're unsure to have to do with Jesus, and then he would touch you, and you'll be able to see clearly and distinctly all that he's done. What a saviour. That's all I've got to say. May we have to do with him and be saved. There would be saved. Why not tonight? For his name's sake. Amen.